God is just so good and gracious and uh, with us no matter what we're going through. The Lord is with us. And we look to Him and uh, we lean on Him. I love there's a word in 1 John and that word is talking about the love of God. talks about how we didn't love Him but He loved us and demonstrated His love to us in Jesus. Just look at Jesus and you see the great love of God. And then it goes on to say, and so we rely on God's love. And when I first read that, I just knew that was such a strong and powerful word to hang on to, to cash in on time, to put it in the vault and to draw down on that when we need it. And if you're this morning going through a really hard and difficult time, and many of you are, I want to say this to you. Um, You know, in the Lord Jesus, I want to say this to you. Rely on His love. Rely on His love. He's with you. He's with you. He'll always be with you. I don't know about you, but that's it, isn't it? That's got to be the shortest sermon in history. God is with you. God is with me. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that your word does build us up and strengthen us. And, Father, thank you that upon the walls of our heart you've written your word. And when we're down, right down, Lord, or even when we're right up on the mountaintop, your word just speaks so powerfully into our lives. And so I pray that this morning, Lord, as we spend some more time, Lord Jesus, looking at this wonderful sermon that you preached. We ask that you would speak to us and and write this word upon our hearts this morning. And I pray that the word will be so powerfully deposited in us that we will be a changed people. Holy Spirit, dearest of friends, be with us now. Glorify and lift up the person and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this Father in His name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, many of you were at the Cornies last night and the Action for Abby. Amazing night absolutely wonderful evening with I don't know it was hard to count how many people do you reckon there was it was really difficult to count how many people but there are lots of people that were there and uh, I just want to say what a wonderful um, job if that's the word um, that uh, Shane and Jenny did and Lauren and Bennett and I know there were many others. I mean, James uh, did all the food. Uh, Amanda had come straight from work, I think, and you know, and she was doing coffee all night. Uh, church, uh, I've said this before, this is a very generous church. And the generosity is not just seen in what is given in terms of money, but the generosity is given in terms of love and of encouragement and of support and of 
and of walking with one another. And so, uh, again, I want to encourage you, this is the work of the Spirit of God in the very heart of this church. So continue to foster that. Uh, Continue to grow that. Uh, Ephesians, Paul says, you know, let's build one another up with the words that we choose uh, to say to one another. So encourage one another. Encourage one another. Okay. This morning um, we're looking again at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and I want to talk a little bit about how to live with integrity. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. A guy was driving down uh, the road. Uh, his wife was with him. And he he's pulled over by a traffic cop. And so the cop um, asks him to get out of the car and he has a conversation with him. So do you realize you're doing a 160 zone? So the guy says, well, that, that's impossible, truly. <laughs> Me, a 100 in a 60 zone? No, no, I, I don't think so. See, I'm one of the most law-abiding citizens, driver, you'll ever see. I have never exceeded the speed limit. No matter what the circumstances, I'm a very responsible driver. And so the policeman, he kind of looks at this guy, so he leans through the window and says to the guy's wife, Is that true? Oh, no, sirree, officer. That's not true at all. In fact, he drives like a maniac. He speeds wherever he goes and his driving scares me to death. So the cop gets out his book and writes him an infringement notice, hands him the infringement notice. And then he he kind of says to him as well, um, hang on for a second, I I noticed before you got out of the car you didn't have your seatbelt on. Oh, me not have a seatbelt on? Of course, gee, you know, of course I'm going to wear a a seatbelt. I value life too much. The motto is, you know, buckle up. So the cop looks at him, leans through the window again, says to his wife, is that true? His wife goes, there is no way that is true. I've never, ever seen him wear a seatbelt. Matter of fact, if you have a close look, you'll see the cobwebs all over the seatbelt. So the cop writes him another ticket, hands him the ticket, And the man now leans through the window of his car and screams at his wife, Woman, what are you trying to do to me? Keep your great big flat nose out of my business. Well, the cop's astounded. So he leans through the window. And does he always speak to you like that? Oh, no, no, she says, not, not all the time, only when he's drunk. <laughs> now, that little story, humorous as it is, that little story highlights something that you and I know to be true, and that is this, that there's often a time, not all the time, but there's often a questionable credibility gap in what we say to what we do. 
And there was an article in the New York Times just recently that revealed that 91% of people regularly don't tell the truth. 20% admit that they can't get through the day without telling premeditated, intentional white lies. Now, what an amazing contrast that is the reality of that to the way Jesus spoke. No compromise with the truth. And as we've seen in our series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has shown us that uncontrolled anger and how uncontrolled sexual immorality and how easy divorce just totally destroys relationships he's been showing us how we should live what our lifestyle should be like remember in the very beginning I said that we should be so filled with Christ and that was God's purpose that he would shine through us so that people in our world in our community could see him in us And then again, you remember that word as part of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. And so we are to reflect Christ in the way in which we do our relationships, have our relationships with one another. And so now Jesus turns his attention to what is probably the most destructive force, probably the most destructive force on earth. I'm poking my tongue out at you. The tongue. The most destructive force. In fact, uh, the Apostle James likens it to a tongue of fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life or her life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. That's the very origin of some of the things you and I say. The origin comes from hell itself. Okay, let's have a look at our scripture and it's from Matthew 5, 33 to 37 and I'm reading it and we're reading it from the message translation because it so powerfully says what we want to look at this morning. And don't say anything you don't mean. This council is embedded deep in our traditions. This is Jesus speaking. You only make things worse, (coughs) pardon me, when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. 
in making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. Powerful, isn't it? How to live with integrity. Well, these five verses here, um, they hold some amazing truths. And the first reminds us that honesty has always been God's purpose. We are to be those who speak the truth. Secondly, he challenges the perversion of that teaching. Dishonest oaths and uh, false swearing, as it were. We kind of lay down smoke screens of pious talk. And thirdly, Jesus re-emphasizes that integrity is to be a characteristic of anyone who would follow him. The integrity of that is found in the simplicity of our answering uh, one another and other people and how we do that. Okay. The principle of God's word first, honesty. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Now, the traditional teaching that Jesus quotes here is based on uh, the law that Moses handed down. And these are some of the scriptures. You must not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Exodus Do not misuse my name by making promises you don't intend to keep. So, I am the Lord your God. So, that's kind of going back to what Jesus is saying here in the passage that we read out of of, um, the message translation where, you know, you say to someone, I'll pray for you, but we don't do it. Or, the Lord be with you, but we really don't mean it. Now, we're not nitpicking here, guys. We're talking about the integrity of what we say as Christians, as followers of Jesus, and that's important. And what we've found so far as we've looked at the Sermon of the Mount is that it challenges the very core and depths of who we are as Christians. And I'm all for that. I'm not being legalistic. I think you've got to dump a whole lot of grace on everything that's being said here and upon ourselves as well. But nevertheless, we are to be those who are lights in our world. And if our light is dim because we're not being true to what we say, then obviously it's going to dishonor God and Jesus whom we know and love and follow. 
When a man makes a vow to God or binds himself by an oath to do something, he must not break his word. He must do exactly what he has said. And so Jesus in those passages, I guess, brings together uh, two words, false vows, which means to perjure yourself, to swear falsely, to make false vows. The second one is to fulfill your vows, literally means to enclose as with a fence or to bind together. The truth of an oath then or vow is enclosed and is bound. So when a person swears an oath or makes a vow using God's name, it becomes stronger. It becomes bound. It becomes entwined. It's no longer just a loose word that we're saying, but now by using God's name, the Lord be with you, or whatever it might be, now you're invoking God's name in all of this, and that word now is bound up tight. That's why it's saying here that um, when a man, a, a woman makes a vow to God or binds himself by an oath, he must not break his word because it now is bound up in God. So, it's made that much stronger. So, even that superficial reading of these commands indicates very clearly that we are not to make these, or the word just prohibits making false accusations, or not accusations, oaths and vows. Now, a clear description of that is found in Hebrews 6 and verse 16. When anyone wants to settle an argument, they make a vow by using the name of someone or something greater than, than, than themselves. So, the name of something or someone gives greater credibility to what is said. Any oath calling on God invites him to witness the truthfulness of what is said. I don't know if we as adults uh, continue to say this, but as children, perhaps we said, we used to say, God's honour, it's true, God's honour, it's true. So, we're actually asking God to witness the truthfulness of what we say. And you can see that in a wedding service, in a marriage ceremony, where a couple acknowledges God as their witness. They promise what? And many of you have done this, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part. Ending with the words, according to God's holy law, and this is my solemn vow. 
Now, many of us, including me, would never have realized at the time of making such a vow that I was inviting God to bind that up. Now, I don't know about you, but right now my wedding vows are becoming that much more important and serious. Bound up. Not just a, this is a marriage ceremony, I've got to say this, but we invoked God to be a witness. So when we said those vows, we recognized and affirmed a commitment to honor, to specially asking God to sanctify our marriage. So, what's the point up to this point? So, the Old Testament principle is pretty clear. There is a place for swearing an oath, just like we just read through the, the uh, vows that we make. There is a, a place uh, for making such an oath, but it's no substitute nor an excuse for not telling the truth at all times. Got to tell the truth at all times. So the principle of God's word is honesty. The pattern for Christ's followers, that's you and I. Oh, sorry, let me go back. Okay. Second, the problem with oaths, oaths is deceit. Four students arrived late for an exam. The exam was just about finished when they rocked in. And so they told a bit of a story to the teacher. Sorry, we're, we're late, but um, we had a flat tyre. And so the teacher said, well, you know, you are late. And as such, really, you've forfeited the opportunity to sit this exam. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you your exams and I want each of you to go to four, the four corners of the room, so one in each corner. And um, if you can answer one question, I'll pass you. So they rushed off to the corners of the room and she said so now turn your paper over so they turned their paper over and the question was this which tyre? It's getting there, isn't it? I can tell. <laughs> it's Sunday morning. I realise that. <laughs> Which tire? Now, the Old Testament teaches that oaths may only be made in God's name. And Deuteronomy says, You shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. Now, the Pharisees got to work on that. And they got some awkward, um, uh, you know, traditional things that they wanted to uh, put in there. They didn't like the restrictions. 
So they developed these elaborate rules for taking the vows and allowed an escape clause for the shrewd and the enterprising. But these vows were missing a crucial element, integrity. They had no integrity. That meant that people could just speak out, say anything they wanted to uh, by just putting an oath to it. And at the same time, they had no worries about lying to one another or breaking their word because it was not in God's name but something else like heaven. I swear by heaven or by Jerusalem or by the temple. And so they could get away with it and if they did swear by those things, then it didn't mean anything so they could break their word. Now, we're looking pretty harshly at the Pharisees at the moment, but we really do need to put the spotlight on ourselves a bit, don't we? That there are times when you and I also give our word and yet we can break it. I think uh, some of the older generation here this morning might remember the times when a handshake sealed a deal and when a man's word was his bond. But it's not so much anymore. The handshake now has become really a greeting or a farewell. But in days gone by when two men were Um, contracting over something there was a firm handshake and that was enough that was enough and if a person a man or a woman said they were going to do something then their word was their bond it would stand tight so we live however in a, a, a different generation and a different time and I reckon that we could probably characterize our time as in one word and that's fudge. How many of us have played marbles? Did you fudge? Yeah, Al fudged. You remember that? Don't fudge. If someone did that with their marble, they fudged. You actually had to hold the marble still not fudge well fudge means to cheat it means to falsify or to exaggerate or to misrepresent to stall to beat around the bush and to lie do you know where the word came from okay well I did a little bit of research And the word comes from a sea captain, Fudge. And he was a commander of a vessel called the Black Eagle. And he would transport prisoners on his vessel. And one time there were 19 um, prisoners and eight crew members who died of the plague and the crew mutinied and Fudge was arrested and he was arrested because he owed so much money he was in 
amazing debt. And so he, as a person, was notorious for telling all kinds of lies, tall tales, exaggerations about his improbable sea adventures. And so it didn't take too many years to pass by until the word fudge became part of our language and it became, as boys, playing marbles. You fudged, you cheated, or you moved forward. You, you, you tried to cheat me and pull the wool over my eyes and things like this. And so, um, fudge today, or where we use the term today to describe someone misrepresenting or being short with the truth, And so I want to say to you and to myself that we need to be honest with ourselves and one time or another um, everyone is tempted to fudge. And none of us are totally, and maybe I shouldn't judge you guys and maybe I should just judge myself, we're not totally honest all the time and we occasionally and preachers are really good at that, exaggerate. Somebody has said to me at lunchtime this morning, how many people in church? I'd say about 500. <laughs> so we, we exaggerate and we tend also to break our commitments uh, from time to time. And fudging really isn't a new thing, is it? In in those early chapters of Genesis, we see Adam fudging by blaming Eve for the way they had disobeyed God's law. Oh, it was Eve. She, She put me up to it. It was, you know... Now, I love uh, what Bill Hybels actually has to say about this particular thing. He says this, Ever since the earliest days in human history, the world has feasted (laughs) on fudge. Sadly, we still do. So, in summary then, the principle of God's word is first honesty. The problem with making oaths is that we deceive. So the pattern for Christ's followers is integrity. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you cannot turn one hair white or black, or in my case, I can't even grow a hair. <laughs> Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple. We just say yes or we just say no. And when you manipulate words to get your own way, That's just so wrong. 
And Jesus points out that it's just uh, so wrong as well. And what he points out here is very, very profound. And it's this, is that God doesn't show any difference between the spiritual or the secular. So what do I mean by that? All truth is God's truth, just as creation is all God's creation. So every lie or misinterpretation uh, of the truth or exaggeration or embellishment or any breaking of a promise, whatever it may be, is against God. It, it, it's a lie against God and every false promise dishonors him. So life can't be divided into neat watertight compartments. That's what I'm saying. So what do you think? Is there one language that we use in church and another language that we use in the office? Another language that we use in the factory or at uni or at any other place of gathering of people. There can't be one kind of ethics in the church and another kind out in the world. Years ago, when I was um, uh, on the road as a salesman, I, and we were living in New Zealand, we were living in Auckland, and about an hour out of Auckland is a place called Pukekohe. And in Pukekohe was a manufacturer who um, manufactured uh, sleepwear, pyjamas, both for men and women, and also sold not only in New Zealand but also in Australia. Now, I was selling textiles. Uh, the company that I was working with had shipped to New Zealand around about, I think it was either 100,000 or 200,000 yards of flannelette for making pyjamas. And I drove to Pukekohe and sat with the uh, owner of a very, very big manufacturing firm and haggled over a price for this 200,000, 100,000 yards of flannelette. When we finally had come to the deal, he asked me a question. He said, now, Graham, is this in your warehouse? And without the blink of an eye, I said, yes, it's in the warehouse. Well, it wasn't in the warehouse at all. It was in the harbour. It was still in the ship. And it was going to take at least a week to clear customs and then we had to get it out to his place. So I said, yep, yep, it's, uh, it's in the warehouse. He said, uh, then I could expect delivery within a week. And I said, yep, no problems at all. Now, I climbed in the car and it was an hour's drive back to 
um, the office. All the way back in the, to the office, sitting next to me was the Holy Spirit, who just would not give me any peace whatsoever. And he just kept reminding me, Graham, uh, that is not the way. That was an out-and-out lie that you just told. And so I reasoned with him along the way that really that's what salespeople do. They don't tell the truth. (laughs) If you're a salesperson here today, I'm sure you do. But this was my reasoning with the Lord, right? I was just generally dumping everybody in the seat with me. And so when I got back to the office, I was so heavily, um, um, uh, what's the word? Um, Convicted. Yeah, that's the word. I was so convicted by the Spirit of God that I walked in the office and the guys went, yay, great sale. And I went, guys, I've just got to go somewhere. (laughs) So I got back in the car and drove all the way out to Pukekohe. I arrived back in this guy's office and he said, what are you doing here? He said, I want to say something to you. He said, what? I said, I lied to you. And he looked at me and he said, what? I said, I lied to you. He said, what do you mean? And so I told him the story. Well, he looked at me. He wasn't impressed. I was hoping he was going to go, ah, no problems whatsoever. But he wasn't. He just tore strips clean off me. And you know what? I deserved it. And... um, You know, just as we finished, he said to me, okay, I appreciate the fact that you drove all the way out here and that you fessed up. And I'll still take the goods. But don't ever do that again to me. I said, no, I won't do that again to you. I won't do that again to anyone because the conviction was just too much. Now, that's just a one instant incident, a one-time story. But I wonder for you if it's not that clear. Maybe it is. Maybe there have been those occasions when uh, you haven't been honest and you haven't been uh, a, a true reflection of Christ. Honest and integrity. And perhaps you've exaggerated and uh, said things uh, in a way that was somewhat distorted to your favour. But I'm here to tell you that according to Jesus' teaching, we're not to do that. We're not to do that. We're to live a life that honours Him and that points people to Him. We've got to watch the things we say. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15 Love 
should always make us tell the truth. Then you will grow in every way to be more like Christ. I like that. I think that's your goal and that's my goal. To grow to be more like Jesus. And so, it's love that motivates you and I to tell the truth. For me to tell the truth to you must come from love. For you to tell the truth to one another and to me must come from love. Not for the sake of pointing out somebody else's faults, but the motivation is a deep love that we have for one another. And as a church, we want to grow up into Christ, don't we? We do. And I think that as we keep this word of telling the truth and speaking the truth to one another, we will grow up into Christ. So the thrust of Jesus' words is that we should be people who keep their word. Jesus said this, I am the truth. And Christians, that's you and me, should be known for our truthfulness, our reliability, our trustworthiness, not only in our homes, but in our workplace, in our personal relationships. Church, let's you and I this week do all we can with the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit to be a people of integrity. Amen? Okay. I'm going to finish with that. Um, I'm going to invite uh, the worship team to come back. And just as they're coming, I want you to take just a moment to sit with the Lord, okay, and ask Him this. Lord Jesus, are there people I've been hurting and disappointing because I've been consistently breaking my word. Lord, you are the way, the truth and the life. Are there areas in my life where I have become untruthful or I've bent the truth to suit my own desires? And please show me if this has been happening. Are there people that I've been hurting or disappointing because I've been consistently breaking my word? Are there areas in my life where I've become untruthful or I've bent the truth? Lord Jesus, we want so much that, in our, that our lives should honour you that we should reflect all of who you are by our words and our actions, by the way in which we love and serve, the way in which we do our daily work, 
And Lord, we fail so often. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you're loving and forgiving. And Lord, now we ask for your help. The enabling power and strength of your Holy Spirit that we might live such lives to bring honor and glory to you. So help us, Lord, we pray. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.